So welcome back, listeners, new and old, to episode 66 of Panoramic Outdoors. The Pandemic Outdoors. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Ain't that true? 66, honoring Mario Lemieux today, and as Chase pointed out earlier... Uh, Route 66. Highway 66, uh, maybe a, a Dylan throwback there for you music buffs. Um, we got myself on the microphone, Tristan, how you doing? And then uh, Chase next to me and Sheldon tuning in digitally from Brandon. How's it going, Shelly? It's like Groundhog Day over here, fella. Yeah. It's like every couple of weeks we got to do one of these podcasts. We don't have to do one of these podcasts. We decided to do a podcast and doing it over uh, Skype or whatever we're doing here. And it's getting boring. Yeah. Well, we are literally hours away from uh, from being locked down in our our house is here so um yeah this is going to be uh my last little visit here with tristan i guess for the next little while too so yeah the times they are changing as bob would say so but change we must yeah here we are so on the show today we're going to chat a little uh about our hunting seasons a little bit how covid has impacted that i'm sure it's impacted all of you fine folks and uh if we get around to it maybe we'll talk about maybe some of the new enforcement uh actions happening across the province and uh get updates on that mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's uh we are sitting pretty much mid whitetail season rifle season right now general deer season i guess is what the technical term is yeah um you guys been out hunting i've been out a time or two <laughs> how about you Sheldon? just digging uh yeah i've been out quite a bit i've been <clears throat> off for uh uh well, quite a few days like i think i got 10 days off in a row uh so i got to put in some pretty good time in the stands and i've learned quite a bit uh seems like every week every week or every day that i that i get out there i learn something new which is a positive and uh yeah it's been good and the weather's been kind of a lot different than previous years we've had some fairly warm weather and where i'm hunting anyways where there's uh no snow um so it's it's a little bit different it's been a little bit of a different challenge this year man i was in the archery stand today and i swear it felt like early october out there maybe not early october but like mid-october and it was just like you said no snow and it was just a nice temperature to be out in the woods tonight kind of kind of speaks to um the adaptability as a hunter you know what i mean like typically i our game plan for the the, the later season here is quite practice so it's uh it's interesting having to like maybe alter techniques a little alter gear um i know we just we've been slipping into some of that wool love um hunting hunting gear and it's uh i'll be honest i i'm actually kind of surprised by it i cannot be more impressed by this stuff to be honest with you i've been wearing it quite a bit and uh <laughs> I've been I've been doing a lot of archery hunting this year, and I've been trying to get into uh, some new spots and just change it up. Um, I'm hunting some ag land, private land, and uh, instead of hunting like field edges and stuff like that, I'm trying to get a little bit further back in the bush, and and uh, so that means I got to set up new tree stands, and I'm usually setting up a stand and hunting the same right after that, right? So I'm I. I with the two kids at home and, and, uh, you know, Jody working full time now, um, I got to be very intentional with my time. So I don't have a whole bunch of time to, to go out and set stands and, and, uh, 
you know, just really waste any time. Not to say that would be wasted, but you know what I'm saying. So, anyways, I gear up with my wool love. Then I got my uh, my other piece of wool that I put on top of that, and then uh, it's a heavier wool undergarment. And then uh, my regular hunting gear. And man, I go through the woods and I start setting up a tree stand. And it, I usually get pretty sweated up setting up a stand. Time I cut down a couple trees, I screw in this about like uh, 10 tree pegs kind of thing, hold the stand up there, set that up. And then uh, by the time I get up into the stand and sit, man, I am soaking wet pretty much. And I like swear to God, I've never had anything like keep me warm and dry as fast as this wool love underlayer and i've been wearing my other um like undergarment the wool for years and it's and i've experienced similar situations and i haven't had uh similar results at all with just that and just the wool love is just a such a game changer man i can't believe i've been living without it sheldon you've just started wearing yours how 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 are you even finding it uh, yeah, same kind of thing as Chase. I'm not <clears throat> running and gunning, I don't think, as much as him. I got a lot of established areas and spots where I'm just kind of going. But the thing with the wool love is that um, the the one thing that really stuck out in my mind was the socks. Um, very comfortable. Um, <clears throat> and, like, my, my – I don't know. It's, it's kind of a hard thing because, like, my, te- my tees, my big tees, my uh, toes kind of get cold every once in a while. So – the uh, when I was wearing these socks, I haven't had cold feet since, and I don't know if it's because they're that warm or just because they do wick away that moisture when I am walking to a stand or whatever it may be from before. So that was the my first thought was the socks are pretty pretty wicked. Man, I I did not get socks as part of my kind of package there. Um, I wish I would have though because I've been putting on about twenty k a day here for the last couple of days. And I, no joke, I have worn through two pairs of socks. <laughs> like, like, do you wear shoes? Kind of cut your toenails, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All on the heel, man. All on the heel. So I don't know if I'm, I'm walking funny or what's happening out there, but I need to try Wait. out the Wolov sock here to see the durability of this unit. Man, they, they have lots of options to pick from. I was checking out their website uh, a couple weeks ago, and they have, like, socks. They have underwear. Plus, they have, like, the leggings and the, the upper garments, too. So, um, pretty soon here, I think I'm going to put in another order for, like, some socks and some underwear just to have and all the bases the way, covered. Tristan, not, to, not to cut off Chase, but that's totally Chase's fault why you don't have socks because I got my package and I had, like, four packs of socks. So, I might have yours, but you'll get them eventually. You told me to send you all the socks. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, here we go. We we got a bit of a sock crisis going on. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. We're not going to get on to, get into that on this podcast, Chase. Boy, right. laughter. The the one thing that I was I was surprised about though, like and like I did notice some of the performance features that Chase was speaking about, but like honestly, from the minute I put it on, I was actually quite pleasantly surprised by just how comfortable it was. It doesn't seem like wool to me in a lot of ways. Um, it there's no itching whatsoever and um it it i i know i've worn merino before but this is almost like the next step up from merino in a lot of ways in my opinion so i i was really impressed by just how comfortable it is yeah and it's almost a little bit like fashionable we'll say for an underlayer and to my surprise it actually like fits my arms 
which is pretty cool. Yeah, actually, that's that's a good point. Hey, it's not short. Yeah. On the, if you start running around the field in your underwear, you're gonna look real squatchy real quick, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I gotta say. Um, Anyways, if you guys are interested in picking up some wool love, check them out at wool.love. That's their website, wool.love. Real great stuff, antimicrobial. And I believe there's even, uh, Sheldon confirmed this for me, a uh, discount code. Confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, if you go there um, and use Panoramic uh, 10, you get 10% off of all purchases. Nice. And if you check out their website, they also have like a bunch of bundles and stuff that you can put together where you can save all kinds of money on their products. So it's kind of cool. Quality stuff. Awesome. Let's uh, let's turn our minds to the turntable, the grill, and the tap. You guys feeling thirsty, hungry, or uh, thinking of music at all? Yep. Maybe. Man, I got onto one of the best deer hunting songs I've ever heard. And I'm ready for this round of what's on the turntable grill and what else? Tap. Okay, so maybe tap. maybe <laughs> maybe we'll start with the tap then. I'm just kidding, Sheldon. What do you got on the turntable there, buddy? The turntable. You guys, you guys got to look this up. Whoever's listening to this has got to look it up. It's called the Thirty Point Buck. Is this and the first by... time you listen to this? Yeah. Oh my goodness! You've been the living Ubers? under a rock forever. Oh my god, is it good? <laughs> <laughs> Thirty point buck. <laughs> well, whatever. That's hope, a good one. Some people listening are going to be like, "Oh, maybe I'll check that out." But check it out. I had a good laugh, and it's a good uh, deer hunting song. Maybe we'll toss that up on the Instagram at some point when when we launch this episode. Like we that. we had at one point collated a deer camp CD. This is back when CDs were still a thing. Yeah, that was on there. Um. Brown It's Down, which is a Garth Brooks adaptation, yeah, was on there. And I'm trying to think. Duck Hol- Duckaholics Anonymous was also on there. Duck Depression. Duck Depression. So there's, there's a few good, we'll call them hunting parody songs out there that uh, might bring out a few smiles around the camp table there. I'm glad it found, that song found you, Sheldon, though, and I'm glad you're <laughs> fine enjoying it. <laughs> Yeah, and then there's another one that Hack actually sent me, and I haven't listened to it yet, but I mean, it's another deer hunting song. Nice. I'll I'll, I'll send it around to you guys once I listen to it. What was, take me back, because I can't remember what my first listen was like, but what was your first listen like to this 30-point buck, Sheldon? Well, to to be honest with you, is that uh, it was sent to me, and I was in my deer stand, and like in a box blind, so, and it was getting late, later in the morning, and I was getting ready to get out of the stand, so. I'm like, oh, whatever, I'll listen to it. So I put it on low and I like put it up to my ear and I'm listening to it. And I think me laughing was a lot louder than me, like, <laughs> than it actually playing off of my phone. <laughs> but uh, my my initial thought was like, it was almost like, uh, oh man, what are those guys' names that do like the, like in the 80s, they were Canadian, like, and they uh, talked about beer and stuff all the time. Yeah. Do you know uh, what I'm talking about? From SCTV, like, I think. Yeah, like Dave. Uh, Anyways, it doesn't matter, but that's yeah. what my initial thoughts were. Remind me of those guys. Yeah, pretty good stuff there for sure. I'm yeah, like Chase said, I'm glad you found it and it found and, and it found you. <laughs> uh, Chase, what have you been listening to? Um, well, one of my favorite artists, Chris Stapleton, released uh, a new album on the 13th called Starting Over. So I've been uh, kind of dissecting 
that album and also kind of turned me back into his other album that I that I really enjoy too. So uh, listen to a lot of Chris Stapleton. He, if you guys uh, if you guys like him, check out the album. He's got a um, a song on there about his dog, and it's uh, it's a tearjerker, man. It it kind of brought me back to the the good old dog days. So um, give that a listen. Was was starting over his single or his uh, his uh, like album? It's uh, it's an album name, but it's also one of his song names too. Oh, because I was thinking that could be like the song of your your fall. Because it sounds like you're a tree stand situation. And you're starting over every day. So. <laughs> Got jokes. Tristan, what's on your uh, turntable? Well, the uh, turned my attention to the Bare Naked Ladies a few times here lately. My niece is a, a big fan as of late, and uh, she got me back listening to them. So nice. good old Canadian band from out east, and uh, can't go wrong. Yeah. It's been good. And uh, it it's always nice when, uh, you know, the, the younger generation uh, turns you back to some of that old music from your days gone by. I met that dude in a bar in Churchill once. Oh, here we go. <laughs> That's where you meet all your dudes. <laughs> That's where I met you. <laughs> true, true. Uh, you're going to have to tell us what happened in Churchill with this guy. Oh, he was just up there doing, uh, I think he, does he do a TV show, Ed's Up or something, right? Like oh, that, where he yeah, flies yeah, a plane yeah. and stuff, yeah. yeah. And uh, he was up there just touring around checking out the polar bears and stuff and then um they have like uh always have like live music or open mic night in the in the bars and bear season and please tell me you went up before him no no i did not open for him <laughs> but he went up and, and played uh, a couple of tunes so it was pretty cool got the bar all riled up That's so you're basically best friends pretty much yeah he probably wouldn't yeah. remember me unless uh he seen me kind of thing but yeah <laughs> <laughs> maybe he'll come on the podcast who knows yeah and then uh we can kind of look at the tap now so shelly what you been pouring um so when i go deer hunting at my old man's place i usually go and buy him a nice bottle or something just for you know thank you for it's not, it's not like i really need to thank him i'm his son but i mean i just it's one of those things i've been doing for years um but this year i bought him like a top shelf bottle of Glen Fitch. So um hopefully we'll be able to harvest the year and have a shot out of that. But we're kinda of saving it until that happens as well. So nice. it's not really I guess what's on it's I haven't had it yet, but it's kind of on tap. Cool. I like that. That that's uh that's I, I can't say that I, I drink a ton of scotch, but uh Glenfiddich is definitely one of those ones that I find well within my wheelhouse of scotch drinking. So is it Fittick or Fittich? I call it Fittick, but again, that probably falls into my potato. Well, I potato. think same with me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. I don't drink much scotch either, so I, I mean, it could be called something way different too. So maybe one of our followers knows, and they'll they'll DM us what the proper pronunciation is, and uh, we can uh, appraise everyone after the fact. Chase, what's going on in your end there? Send it in. Um, well. Um, I'm currently sipping on a, a Moosehead Small Batch West Coast IPA, which uh, which I just kind of grabbed on the way over here because I hadn't been been experimenting too much. So, um, and I see I haven't seen this before in the stores, and uh, yeah, 
I enjoy this. This is good. I like a good IPA. The moose is loose. Strong beer. And I haven't seen a IPA for Moosehead yet, so I have to try it. Branching out. You heard it here first, folks. And Tristan? What do you got, Tristan? Well, for some of us who aren't drinking alcohol all the time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, there's a, there's a new coffee roaster in town called Stone City Roaster, so I thought I'd give them a, sh- a shot and... Uh, you know, there's a, there's a they're based at Stonewall, but a few places carry them. Uh, I I'm close to Lockport Grocery, so I know they carry them. Um, Do they have a dark roast? They have a dark roast, but I'm drinking their light roast right now, Chase, and I I think you would like their light roast because it's um it's a little darker than I like to drink it, but it's still got like a nice body to it. So mm. if you're looking for a new coffee to try out, Stone City Roasters might be uh something you'd be interested in. I'm gonna give them a go. Might as Just well. look at that free ads coming out of her, coming out of everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? We uh, sometimes you just gotta call them how you see them, you know. That's right. Um, and then that brings us around to what's on the grill, and I can kick off. Uh, just earlier this week, there I was feeling ambitious for one breakfast and uh, had a little time, so I made up a little Mexi skillet with, uh, and the the grill component being the the bratwurst that was uh. The protein for the the meal, but uh, added some eggs, some cheese, some salsa, guac, and landed up being like a nice little. Since Perkins isn't open anymore, <laughs> nice little breakfast skillet. It almost remind me of the breakfast I always get at. Uh, oh damn, what's that one restaurant down uh, Osborne there? Down Osborne doesn't have that many restaurants. I know, um, but there's <laughs> that's why you should know that. <laughs> They have a ton of restaurants. Um, whatever. They got a, a wicked uh like Mexican breakfast. Stella's? Yeah, Stella's. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, I like that. Your brekkie look pretty good also. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's some about a breakfast that you can put in a lot of time and effort because it goes a long way. Compared to like a lunch in my mind. In a lunch I'd just rather have a sandwich and put a lot of time in a lunch. Yeah. Anyways, my food up for thought. What was on my grill, you guys asked? Yeah. Okay, well, I'll tell you. Um, I actually did uh, some ribs on the pit barrel, just pork ribs. I used a mustard kind of, uh, just like a yellow mustard for a binder, and used the, that, it was like cookie spice, it's called, and I learned the hard way, but on a couple of them, I put a little bit too much spice, so they're pretty salty, but, and uh, yeah, just put them in the, in the pit barrel for, I don't know what it was, three hours or something, pulled them off, uh, let them, let them rest, and then threw them in the in the oven just for 15 minutes to get the barbecue. I put barbecue sauce on after and put them in the oven for like 15 minutes just to get the sauce uh, warmer. And, uh, yeah, it was awesome. Really good. Love the pit barrel. Nice. Nice. Sounds good. <clears throat> um, I guess it's my turn for the grill, eh? Uh, so I recently acquired this stove from Tristan, uh, this this naphtha stove. And uh, Tristan has been calling it a... Uh, a kerosene stove, but it's actually a, a naphtha stove, I think. That's what it's called. <laughs> I don't know if kerosene would run in that thing, to be honest with you. It's pretty thick. Only one way to find Weren't out. Weren't like all stoves kerosene at one time? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know the history of stoves. But this is a... Maybe it would run in there. I don't know. Anyways, I'm running naphtha in mine. <laughs> or white gas or camping fuel, whatever you want to call it. And... uh 
it's kind of like the the old school style stove, right? Because lots of the the new cook stoves are propane. You put the one pounder on there and away you go. But the old naphtha, we had a little bit of trouble getting it going, but figured it out when we we're out deer hunting there, and we had a nice hot soup with our lunch, and that was pretty sweet, man. We when we grew up hunting, we dad was adamant that we had like a cooler full of food when we went out to, for the day, and like a legit like camping cooler not like just like a, a day cooler yeah. um so so we're we're kind of big on lunches most of the time um adding the the hot component for uh for a day uh rifle season uh deer hunting was sure a nice touch oh yeah for sure and it boosted morale that's for sure when we got back to back to the truck just for a little top up and get a little warm soup in you and then you're feeling a little bit more energized a little bit more motivated kind of i would say yeah definitely yeah and i've noticed like <clears throat> with the warm well the some of the warm weather i've been spending a lot of time uh in the tree sands like more time than normal like when it's really cold out i'm spending i'm kind of like a morning and night hunter and uh so lately when it's warm out i'm spending way more time and so i'm packing some snacks into my into my uh backpack and stuff and the one thing i've been packing is that cowboys caviar and i know you guys have tried them all i recently got to try them all now and i'm freaking in love with it man it's a soft chew jerky they got five different flavors uh cowboy candy original teriyaki hot and sweet and peppered and actually the hot and sweet chase i don't know why you laugh at me every time I'm not, I'm not laughing at you I'm, I'm laughing at something i seen on their instagram page and i was just thinking about it today like great uh, sorry go ahead i'll tell you about it after <laughs> but yeah hot and sweet is uh actually i think my favorite and i'm not a huge spicy or hot guy so um it's kind of a surprise to me but i really like it if you want to check out their website go to cowboyscaviar.com www.cowboyscaviar.com and check out another cool thing they have is they have a fundraiser section on their uh on their website so if you're looking to raise some money for your group um whatever maybe like your church group hunting group whatever it is go on there check them out and inquire about it because you can make up to like 42 percent profit uh selling their beef jerky so check that out cowboyscaviar.com thank you very much for supporting our podcast okay i'm going to tell my story now about it so on their on their instagram page they had like a um a picture of like some cowboy caviar mixed in with like some nuts and some dried fruits and and stuff like that almost like a bit of like a snack and trail mix on the go and i was like oh man this is a great idea i'm gonna do that for the deer stand and i'll like put it all in a ziploc bag so it's nice and neat and not too noisy and i was sitting in the deer stand today <laughs> and uh i'm like digging through it just trying to get the beef jerky out of there because <laughs> i'm like fuck <laughs> why did i put all these nuts in here <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I could see that happening for sure, 100%. It's like pulling the M&Ms out of the trail. trail yeah, mix, eh? yeah. pretty but, much. But now the M&Ms are in the way. You're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. get these stupid M&Ms out of here. And you know what? Before we get into the real meat and potatoes of the podcast, I, I think we can't get away without um, giving a huge shout-out and thank you to Pit Barrel. They've been a huge supporter of this podcast. Um, if you want to learn to cook ribs like Sheldon or better than Sheldon, check out pipbarrelcooker.com. Um, they not only have great barbecues, but a lot of accessories that you can get to make just the right or perfect meal for you and your family. Um, 
might make a great Christmas gift or holiday gift if if you're thinking that way. And uh, if you if you're not an online person, but maybe you want to explore the curbside pickup option, and we do know in Manitoba here in Winnipeg, there's Lux Barbecue that does carry them. Uh, but you might just want to check in with them before you go and make that purchase. Uh, so just thank you, Pit Barrel. Uh, thanks for supporting us, and thanks for all the great meals. Well, should we look at maybe doing a little update on our hunting season here? I know we've touched on a few of the action items that we've been up to, but uh, maybe we've got the time now to do a bit more of a deep dive, I would say. Sheldon, you want to start us off there? Like, How's your season been looking, buddy? Yeah, I think I've kind of been touching on it on all the intros that I've been a part of in the last, uh, since like August, since the start of uh, bow hunting. Biggest thing on uh, my game plan this year is to get a get a deer with my bow um, to kind of upgrade, let's say, on, on the buck profile. Um, I want to get a little bit better buck, so I've been uh, putting a lot of time looking looking for them in the tree stand with my bow, and like uh, I've already mentioned 3,000 times this podcast, it's been kind of warmer out where I'm hunting, so I've been able to spend more time uh, with the bow in hand rather than uh, shivering with anything else. So it's been really good. Um, deer movement has been a little bit tough, like I was talking about earlier. Uh, without the snow they uh, in the bush and stuff like that, they're really hard to see, and I'm, you know, you, you really got to be on the ball when they're coming through the grass that might be, you know, three or four feet high. You can barely see them. Um, so I've been struggling a little bit that way. Like, I had quite a few deer surprise me. It's like, holy shit, where did he come from? Or, you know, <laughs> where'd, where'd they come from? But they, like, came out right in front of you and you just couldn't see them. So a little shot of snow, which we are, we're getting currently. So it should be uh, better for the rest of the rest of the week and a half here. So, Are you guys getting snow t- tonight? Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah, we're getting some snow tonight too, which I'm looking forward to. Fingers crossed. Eh? So Sheldon, what's you you said you've been learning a few things you, almost every time you've gone out. Like what are some of these lessons that you're coming up with here? Oh yeah. Um yeah, like I don't know. I've been always the guy kind of saying like I've done I think quite a bit of deer hunting, but at the same time um I'm no pro by any means, not even close. So there's a lot of things I have, you know, recognized and realized while while hunting this year. And, you know, one thing that kind of stands out in my mind, there was a fall rye field that I was hunting near. And then they came and uh, floated fertilizer on it, and I haven't seen a deer on it since. Now, is that coincidence? It might be, but maybe that's something someone could educate me with further down the road. So if, you, if you've noticed that ever in your travels, please DM me and let me know, because I think it's something to put into your... Uh, little tackle box of information when it comes to deer hunting because uh yeah i was kind of relying on that field and they came and did that and i haven't really seen deer there anymore so i think that that's one thing that that's kind of different about this year too with uh with the warmer conditions is the farmers are getting out there later and like they're still out there working the fields and stuff right so they're they're tilling their their harrowing their fertilizing and, and all that jazz so it's it it like you said can certainly change your plans yeah and the other thing i will add to something that i kind of learned is uh and this is probably going to sound very rookie-ish or very green for me to say but i've uh been kind of adding and adding every year to my uh, game cameras or trail cameras and this year i've got you know six or eight of them now and um i found a good scrape line and i put a camera right on one scrape and within that week i had like eight different bucks on that on that camera which i've never tried to focus on before and now 
it's something I'm going to definitely focus in on. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of one of those things. It's just uh, like I've heard it before. I've read read about it before, but I've just never done it. And this is one year that I did that. And, and yeah, got some really good uh, uh, pitchers um, late in the season, which is really nice. Nice. What uh, Do you have a particular camera that you like using the best kind of thing? Or do you run a few different brands? Or what do you? Yeah, we run about three different ones. Um, I'm not going to name them all, but like the spy, we run three or four spy points. Um, I think that's what they're called. Okay, I don't know which model they are, to be honest with you, Chase. I just... Uh, no, that's fine. Was, yeah. No, no, yeah, we just run those ones because they were on sale, like a three-pack for a couple hundred bucks or whatever. So we picked those up, and I really like them because they're super easy to use, and they're actually the picture quality is, uh, is bang on. Um, and then we do have actually one browning, and then what else do we have? I can't remember. There's something else in our... In our group, the one thing that I have found too, and another little pointer tip, if you're running a whole bunch of different game cameras, is that we found that ca- uh, sorry, the SD cards would screw up when they go from one camera to a different one. And so I did a little bit of research, and people are saying on the forums, like if you're using an SD card between like different brands of cameras, it can actually like I don't know mess up the format or something. Yeah, yeah. So you'd have to format the card between cameras, is what you would have to do. Right, so maybe not fully there technology-wise in my brain. So, like that was something I learned again this year. So, um, yeah, I, for you. I'm I I had some issues with that this year too. I forgot to uh, format totally a couple of my cards before I threw them in the camera and like like prime time deer season and like thought my camera just be loaded up with pictures and there's not one photo on there. <laughs> it happens. Super disappointed. I I feel like though like also like. If, conditions play a factor too because it's not like you're photographing butterflies in the sunshine in august you know like you're out there you're probably all bundled up your your packs on your back now you gotta go into your pack pull out a card take your gloves off you're probably fumbling in the dark right yeah so for sure just a good reminder to be mindful of like taking that extra step when you're looking at the camera chase how's your season kind of what's the tone been what's the the events been like uh things have been i don't want to say radically different but quite different for me this year um just with uh with the kids and and uh jody's working full-time from home now um and now with the way things are with covid we're kind of restricted with babysitters too so it's not like i can slip away for a full day during the week kind of to, to get out with the rifle um couple of my archery spots are pretty close so I, I managed to get away for like half a day kind of thing or on the weekend and uh so i've been really focusing just on archery whitetail and um just trying to get into just figure that out a little bit more because we haven't done a whole lot of hunting on ag land and just trying to figure the deer out there man and, and today i actually went out set up a new stand and almost had success we'll say i could have had su- success it was like i, I it was just a gorgeous day out there, set up the stand, sat, sat in it and didn't see anything till like 20 minutes before dark. Had a little doe come through. I figured have you been finding that, quite, sorry for cutting you off, but have you been finding that quite a bit, the deer moving super late and even going like in the mornings, like getting back into the bush super early? Like I've hunted quite a bit in the last 10 days, let's say, and it seems like the prime time's a lot, like like normally the last fifteen minutes. But like deer aren't even coming out to feed early, in in my opinion. But 
just the, just the last like two days i feel like it's been shut right down because i was doing some scouting earlier in the in the week on monday and there were deer everywhere like like an hour and a half before dark you know the, the rut activity was just off the wall kind of thing so i was pretty pumped up for today to head into the woods and uh man things were quiet 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 and then um so after i seen that doe i could hear like antlers coming through the bush and then i could hear like footsteps obviously and i just so the adrenaline got going and i'm just waiting for this buck to come down this trail i'm set up right over top of a scrape there's a rub line in front of me and things are beautiful and i can see this this like just monstrous body walking through the woods kind of thing and then i can see this other little deer coming up the trail towards me <laughs> so the big buck is looks like he's going to skirt me so i give a grunt kind of thing and the, he stops and he starts cutting towards me and i figure here we go it's on and he's like coming straight for one of my shooting lanes and he stops about five yards short has a little stare down with this spiker that's about 30 yards away from him and then uh just turns and walks away and uh Man, I was pumped to see that deer. <laughs> I thought I was going to get a poke at him, but uh, you know what? I feel like I'm in a pretty good spot there, and I'm going to head back out later this week and and uh, try and get on him again or another buck, and I feel like I'm in a really good area there. So um, that's the closest I've been to uh, a big deer this year. That spiker came in to 15 yards. I drew on him just to practice, and I could have killed him probably five times. So um Killed him, got shot him, whatever. Yeah, still, still <laughs> a super cool experience. Probably would have missed him, um, but uh, yeah. So I'm happy about that because I haven't really had an encounter with a with like a respectable buck this year with the bow like that, and uh, I'm happy that that the stand move played off. Did you get a good look at the bone on top of his head? I didn't know he was kind of like. He's kind of like just on the other side of these willows when he was moving through, and it was it was probably like 15 minutes before dark, and uh, I just couldn't get good eyes on him. And he was he was close enough, and I didn't want to take out my binos and make some noise and to get a look at him, but he was big enough that his antlers were making noise coming through the woods. <laughs> so you've been chasing um, a, a decent buck out that way too. Yeah, there's a few roaming around out there. That's for sure. Yeah. So. There's a there's a there's a couple that would definitely get the blood going. It's just uh, um, I've I've spent some time out there too, and we just haven't gotten into position where we've been able to square away on one, which has been kind of frustrating. Yeah, it certainly is frustrating, man. I, I head to the woods every time with just this huge anticipation, and to be completely honest with you, like the day before or the day of, I'll be thinking of it, and like my blood will be going just thinking about it. Just thinking like, oh man, tomorrow could be the day or like today is going to be the day kind of thing. And and then uh, I get out there and then anticipation and hopes like drop off the map until you see something. And then they come skyrocketing back up. Yeah, sometimes it's hard to keep that momentum going. Yeah. Well, especially like uh, in that bow only zone that you're, you're, you're hunting. I know like, I know this for me where I hunt is kind of a, fairly small area let's say like a mile squared area and you hear a gunshot to the north and you just peel a little because you're like oh i hope that wasn't the deer i'm after you know <laughs> what i mean that 
boat only zone, it must be pretty tough because you just don't know. Maybe that buck might be gone. You 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 know what I mean? Like yeah. I just find like right now, every time I hear a gunshot, I'm just like shit. Yeah, yeah. But, just another one of your hit list bucks on on somebody else's <laughs> wall. <laughs> yeah, or you hear the horn on the high, like the highway is probably a mile away, half mile away, a mile away for sure. You hear a horn on the highway and you're like, no, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you don't, hopefully it's not going to get hit. But so but. so do you have one kind of picked out there, Sheldon? Your special Valentine you're hoping to meet up with? Um, yeah, like I had one that I was. I wouldn't necessarily say I was really after it. I've had a few pictures of it, and I really liked it. And um, yeah, the, the actually the neighbor, one of the neighbors, got it, so I got to at least see it and or see some pictures of it. So that's pretty cool. Um, and then I got another one that I that I don't have pictures of, but I've seen in person a a couple times. And um, yeah, there's a few out there, and there's lots of deer. Like I I've been seeing lots of three by three, four by fours, and not baskets like ones that are you know, getting some frame to them. So I, I, in my mind, if we're, if we have a good winter this year, next year is going to be freaking dynamite where I am, but lots of little bucks around. So that's good. It's a good sign. Nice. That's awesome, man. That's good to hear. The, and the rut's always like a particularly interesting time to hunt because, you know, you might see a, a buck you've never even seen in your life before come across your stand just because he's chasing that day. You know what I mean? So like, you, it's kind of like rolling the dice in Reno some ways yeah you could you could roll a snake eyes or you know you could roll something really good yeah yeah hard to say yeah you gotta kind of it's not even just playing the odds i mean like if you wanna you can pick and choose kind of the times you want to be out there but like if you can spend the entire day out there i think that's when you you can really get lucky like that like the other day i mean we've we've said this before too and we've had this experience lost you in the rut you know you get this buck on camera that's just that lights out deer and you see him once and then you don't see him ever again kind of thing. Yeah. Just cruising through. I know on our property in Winnipeg beach that we used to have, we used to get that lots, you know, multiple, just beautiful, gorgeous, mature bucks would come through. And if you weren't there to see him that day, he gone. See you later. Yeah. So further down the road. So Chase, you, you've spent a lot of time in the stand here. Um, You've been working on the archery skills. You've set up multiple stands, honing the kind of like egg balance here. What what have you learned through this whole process here? What's what are you taking away from the season? Pretty much wherever I set up, the deer will be in the opposite spot <laughs> at my setup. Is what I'm taking away. Um, no, I I mean we like everyone who listens to the podcast knows that we kind of grew up hunting the the bigger woods. And uh, the ag land's kind of been tricky for us to to get a hold of. Tricky for me anyways. We've certainly been in some good spots and and uh, the deer are certainly there. It's just trying to figure out how to get them properly. You know, I think um, there's a bit of restriction uh, in the fact that like some of the forests that we hunt isn't, we don't have permission on the entire lot. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, we might only have permission on like 10 acres or 20 acres or whatever it may be. It's pretty like smaller chunk or like a half section where, or not a half section, but like we don't have permission in the whole woods. So like in my mind, I think I want to be trying to focus a little bit closer on bedding areas and uh, going that route throughout the, the like the mid season as opposed to like hunting the field edge kind of thing. Um, 
because that field edge is just so spotty I, I find and it's like the deer are on high alert when they come out there and and man we've stacked the field edge before and still gotten burned by the oh, by totally. the deer so it's it's i don't know it's tricky man i gotta just do some more research learn more continue learning yeah i think i think like getting the stand that i set up today was further back in the woods and uh i think that's one thing that paid off big for me but hopefully it, it pays off eventually yeah <laughs> for the hockey fans out there it almost seems like it's the the two different versions of the winnipeg jets power play you got the one where everybody knows the puck is going to patrick line a and then you got the one where you got buff on the back end and that puck could be coming from anywhere so like i i feel like when you start introducing like let's let's hone in on those bedding areas a little bit more the deer are probably a little bit more comfortable and not expecting what's coming next there and hopefully it's uh yeah it's a muzzy broadhead that's the idea yeah that's the play so we'll see if it plays out well good man well you're gonna sit this weekend i think eh? so hopefully hopefully we have it dialed in hopefully that comes together yeah i'm hoping to man i my only goal i mean i got, I got a doe tag and i got a buck tag so what i would like is just to like shoot a like a personal best buck which is not a huge ask for me <laughs> i don't Tristan is certainly the the big buck killer in the in the family. I I I think you've you've killed more big bucks than I have certainly have, and and bigger deer than I have. So for for like me to kill uh, a personal best, I don't think is like a huge uh, an out of reach goal. We'll say. Man, I wouldn't even say that I've killed big bucks. I think we've just killed... like a mature mature deer. Yeah. 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 Some some of them yeah, quite a few of them mature. We haven't shot any Boone and Crockett's, which is kind of wild, but yeah. for all the time we spent out there, maybe that's why they're hard to get. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. What about you, man? What uh what's been going on? Well, you know the scoop. I've been spending more time this year in the archery stand than I've ever spent. Um can't say can't call myself a huge archery hunter, but you know, went out for maybe probably about you know eight or ten sets and um never got myself in a position where i was able to draw back on anything so i mean that was a little discouraging because as everyone knows like my hunting ability has changed as well with having a little one at home so um to be coming home without meat um on the reg was kind of a different tune to be singing but it, it it was a rather large learning experience. Um, but come rifle season, I dropped the bow very quickly and headed out with the rifle mm-hmm. and uh, was able to connect with one. So that, that was, uh, that was affirming. And maybe, maybe it was interesting because like um, you were out with me one day there and we were back in kind of, near like in one of the inner like wmas and more more kind of crafted after this big bush style hunting and we were marching around there kind of doing a little looking around seeing where it'd be good spots and it, it felt like we were kind of back at home in some ways at yeah. least to me it was like oh yeah this is familiar yeah this this looks good this spot looks good this trail looks good I feel like I can poke my head in here and find some deer. I feel like 
uh, I can read the land uh, and the the movement a little better than, yeah. than what's happening back at the archery stand. So it was interesting just how those comfort zones shift. Um, yeah. But uh, as far as like the actual deer story, it's it's nothing too exciting. Like <laughs> I I had come back to the to the truck for lunch and uh, was on my way back out with the sled, the toboggan with the deer blind in it that dad had recently modified because I, <laughs> I had found a place to sit. And by modifications, I meant that he had put some runners on it. And what he did is he had cut up an old plastic snowboard that he had found and bolted it to the bottom of this, uh, of this toboggan. And uh, I don't know if our friends at Interlake Slay could uh, kind of update us on how this should be done properly, but he, he didn't countersink the screws, so those are sticking out of the bottom. Mm-hmm. And then the actual tips of the, the snowboard were like six inches out <laughs> of the sled. So effectively what he had done is he had made like a, I don't know, what, what would it be like a, the farming equivalent of a swather? Yeah, like a combine head or something. Or... Yeah. So I was dragging that down the cut line for about 300 yards, just swearing. Through the weeds and the yeah. bulrushes and the grass. I would started to harvest the, the bulrushes in the cut line. And um, I'd just been approaching a marsh that I know was good. So I looked up and there was this big body deer standing there. And I could kind of see horns about 75, 100 yards away. But I didn't know how good they were. So I... Put up my binos, like, oh, that's a decent deer. So I now have to load my gun because it wasn't even loaded. So I get the gun off my shoulder, load the sucker up, put the gun up. But I'm actually, like, swaying because I'm bloody exhausted at this point in time from, like, playing. I I don't even know what it would be called. Like, it, it felt like I was doing some sort of CrossFit games or something like this, trying to drag this empty sled down the cut line. <laughs> Your toe on Santa's sleigh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Felt like Rudolph. So I, I squeeze and this deer goes down. I was like, shit, yeah. Can't believe that. And I think I like, I got up on him real quick and, you know, I, I didn't make the best shot. I, I landed up hitting him a little farther forward than I wanted to, but he went down instantly and he like, he died rather effectively. Um, and then I landed up sending you a picture right away. And like I, I don't think you believed me at first that I had like shot this deer yeah. that that early in the day <laughs> without much of a game plan going in. Yeah. But he was down. And now I have to drag this thing out of there with uh a busted ass sled. Our quad's broken at the moment and uh no reinforcements. So that that was actually the true test of the day. And I think that's how I wore through one pair of socks was dragging this deer out. Yeah, on the following weekend when when we went in there, I was like, "So you're telling me about this drag?" And I thought, "Oh, it can be that bad. This cut line, and you know, fairly straightforward." But that cut line had some dozer work on it that wasn't very nice, and like that swamp has multiple trees laying across it, and it's it's a bit of a CrossFit course to get through, especially dragging a deer. Well, and the way that sled is structured, it was catching literally every rock and twig that was laid out in front of it. Yeah. So you were stopping every five feet. So I, I don't know what the solution is there. Just fix the quad before season is probably the right <laughs> call. But um, keep up on the maintenance. Keep up on the maintenance. There's your lesson. Yeah. Um, but it, it made me laugh because, Chase, you, you and I had been doing some of that. Uh, we did some 
series there for the Manitoba Wildlife Federation intro to big game hunting. Mm-hmm. And like, we always went on there saying, you know, we're not experts in this, but you know, this is how we kind of do things. And like, if you take something away from this, great. But I remember giving a few people tips and I was like, have a plan on how you're going to get your deer out of there. <laughs> and well, I had a plan, but my plan sucked. So if, if you were in that intro to big game hunting, there's a there's a part B to have a plan. It's make sure your plan doesn't suck. Adapt. Adapt. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe test your gear before you head out there. Make sure that it works. Make sure that you're not catching every twig and weed that you come across. Um, and, you know, the other lesson that I learned this year was um, we talked about in that seminar scouting and how we often don't do enough of it. And really, I think that's that was the deal breaker for us in a lot of ways. And the archery hunting that we were doing, it was just like... I, I know we had a lot of reasons why we couldn't scout this year just with family and stuff, but like if I think if we're gonna be serious about archery hunting, we we just need to put and you've been doing it, put a few more hours on actually glassing fields or um being in that bush to actually know where those deer are. Yeah. I I've been putting in some more time and it's certainly uh I don't know it hasn't paid off yet really, but uh it's uh I've been just witnessing some interesting like whitetail behavior um just being out there watching deer and it's it's good for me it's good for the family because i can toss the kids in the in the truck and away we go and they get to see some deer they usually end up going bonkers by the end of it and just like destroying the inside of my truck but uh they like getting out they look through the binoculars and and all that stuff and uh get some out of the jody's hair for a while too so and it's the sun setting earlier right now that is before their bedtime which is uh which is a good thing so yeah i guess that would be a game changer that yeah early season sits might not be as reasonable yeah for sure that, so. that totally reminds me of when i was younger uh, as a kid and every sunday we would go jump in whatever vehicle we had at the time we'd go to the ice cream store and get ice creams and then go drive at dusk you know what i mean like Go look for deer. Cruise the back roads. Yeah. Me nice. and dad and my mom and my sister and we would, yeah, it was kind of like one of those Sunday things and some family time and go and check out the countryside. But yeah, I remember doing that when I was a kid. That's awesome. Bring back, that little story brought back some memories. Wicked. And Speaking the- of memories, I'm going to also add too that if anyone's listening here and uh, want to share your story, we have a new spot on our website where we're doing kind of like a blog style um, you can talk about any type of harvest, whatever it may be, if it's deer, elk, moose, um, or even gardening. We'd, we'd like to like to read them over, and uh, and if they're good, we'll we'll throw it on, on our website. Not only that, if you have some pictures you want to submit, we'll also share them on our Instagram and Facebook. Um, so, yeah, please share. Yeah, we love hearing them stories. It's all about building a community of outdoors folks and making sure that we have uh, a way to get that voice out there because it is important, I do believe definitely and especially in these times you know like it's it's things have shifted and not just because i have a family now but like we're we're living through a global pandemic and no matter what side of the fence you fall on like undoubtedly your life looks differently at this point in time than it did in fall of 2019 so i'm wondering like and I'll just open up the floor here. Like, how how have you guys been impacted, like, hunting-wise, fishing-wise, or any outdoors activity-wise, 
by the COVID reality that we're kind of living in right now? How's that impact? Or even you, if you guys want to talk, you know, heart to heart, we can go there too. <laughs> um, I guess I, I'll start this off and, and um, I think I can speak to a bit of your experience too here, Kristen, and just starting off like hunting season and COVID is just, is just strange because you're, you're limited to like who you should be hanging out with and who you should be, how many people you should be hanging out with kind of thing. And, and, uh, even like going to the store to get hunting stuff almost seems like a bit more of a task. And it's, again, you're more intentional with going there. You know, you're, you're not just popping in to grab some, some don't heat or some shotgun shells or okay what else do i need there let's make this one trip get in get out kind of thing and and uh that that's been my mindset behind it and then uh things kind of went sideways here later on in the fall and disrupted our regular deer camp that we usually head out to i was only going to head up for a couple of days anyways just with our uh our family situation and and uh sitter situation and um I mean, stuff with my kids too, right? So, um, kids were supposed to be in daycare and we kind of voluntarily pulled them out of there because, uh, some of the, we just didn't want to like have them in there. And then all of a sudden we have to pull them out because everyone's getting sick kind of thing and get them in a routine. And then we're out, we're in, we're out. And then we have to find daycare at home kind of thing. You know what I mean? So it's, it's been interesting to say the least. And I'm thankful for the opportunities that I have around here now. I'm very thankful. Um, the opportunities, lots of the opportunities that I have hunting too are not uh, solely sought out by myself, I'll say. Lots of them, lots, lots of the opportunities I get, they're often curated through other folks. For instance, like our... Oh, totally. The... the deer hunting the archery areas that we we hunt in it's a very difficult area to get permission in and i we we got permission through uh one of our our buddies who is a local out there and has hunted out there in the past and has some friends out there that own land thankfully and uh just kind of the way it all rolled out was like hey why don't you come out hunting out here i have some extra space and you guys can kind of, you know, we can hunt together kind of thing. I'll show you the ropes, this and that. Don't screw anything up, pretty much. That's what it came down to. And it's very fortunate in a lot of ways. Man, like, I'm thinking, like, if if I didn't have that opportunity, didn't have that, that connection, I, I don't know. I guess I would be hunting out for some, something else. But it was, like, certainly thankful for that opportunity. You know what I mean? Because, like, well, the amount of hours that I've spent in those deer stands. Yeah has been uh has been pretty sweet especially like in in covid times um yeah it's been a huge shift and like especially with like not going to our rifle camp yeah spend some more time in there and yeah i don't know rifle camp was particularly disappointing for for me because like i know you've missed it a few times chase because of work has has hasn't really allowed you to align it but ever since you know i got the invite from yourself and tim there about i god i was trying to think back about how many years that that would have been like 10 years ago at least yeah it's been a while i don't think i've missed a camp since then so like and uh dell was kind of laughing at us earlier he was saying 
you guys are really big on tradition, aren't you? It's like, yeah, yeah. Like, I I know Chase, you like to experiment a little bit more than me, but like, man, I love that rifle camp. Like, that is uh, that is something I look forward to. From the moment we close up camp, I'm already looking forward to next year's camp. Kind of, kind of like Happy Gilmore. Yeah, looking forward to next next year's tryouts for, <laughs> for hockey. Like that's me with rifle camp, right? And uh, so it was. It was honestly like we got the news that the restrictions were rolling in that day or the next day, literally the day that I was supposed to be shipping out the camp. So like I was gutted by like i i wish there could have been like a, a gopro on me or like in my face yeah it's a little devastating when this all came through because like my truck was packed um you know like i'd been i'd made sure not only that my my gun was sighted in but every other gun in the house was sighted in like this like everything was tuned up for camp and like camp was supposed to be like my thing because like i uh i was just tied up with finn for a long time too right and like that i was we carly and i had kind of negotiated that camp would be kind of my getaway there and the, you know I, I was grateful for it and then it was just kind of like man i just had flashes of like all the things that weren't going to happen this year like we we had that one area like digitally scouted out a little bit more aggressively where we were i had stands lined up for there i was going to bring up a pop-up line that was going to be situated and like so like i mean which is kind of like the rug got pulled out from under me, but also like realized that I wasn't going to be around the table with, you know, my good friends, um, bullshitting after everything and, uh, all that. So like, I mean, if we're talking COVID impacts on hunting, like, I feel like that was the, the most impactful part for me this year. And, uh, it was, it was a very real one, I, I would say. So I, I hope no one else's plans got messed up like that, but I'm sure there's lots of folks out there who are experiencing similar stories. Sheldon, what about you, man? How's how are you weathering the <laughs> like, storm? I'm, I'm kind of like still crying over here in Brandon, <laughs> but like I, um, it's very similar to your guys' stories. Um, but like I, I don't take holidays in the summer. Like I take my holidays in the fall. I'm a single guy, no kids, so I get to kind of do what I want, I guess, in a way. Um, and this is kind of the first time in in a long time where where something has been like no, you can't do what you want. And it's like kind of almost like a reality check in my life where it's just like, hmm, interesting. You know, like I was looking forward to hunting with my cousin and my brother-in-law and all these people that were supposed to come down to, to hunt and kind of have the same as you, Tristan, like a hunt camp. And then all of a sudden they can't come. And I'm just like, like swearing at this thing that's happening in our, in our, like in our world. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I was pissed, man. And And like a lot of the stuff, like I think a lot of the things are, I mean, my opinions aren't going to be the same as anybody else's. Some of the stuff is bullshit. Some of the stuff makes total sense. And you can't have one or the other. And that's just the way life is. And you got to adapt. Um, but yeah, it, it really did make me mad. And I'm adapting and, and making things work. And at the end of the day, um, I might not have those memories with those with those fellas around like the, the table having a drink at the end of the day or doing whatever. But at the same time... Um, you know, conversation is still there. The texts are still there. The the phone calls are still there. Um, they're doing their own thing. I'm doing my own thing. And, and same with you guys, like Chase, like every day you're like phoning me, well, what's the white tail report, you know? Yeah. And so it's, it's different. So you're kind of starting a little bit of different traditions and different memories that are probably going to stick with us forever. So although it sucks, Dick, 
um, that's probably going to be at the end of the, you know, at the end of the year, it's going to be a, it's going to be a memory. It's going to yeah. be like COVID, you know, that COVID hunt or whatever you might call it. So. Man, man, I, I've, uh, so I listened to, uh, I'm not done this, the podcast yet, but I'm listening to one of Joe Rogan's latest podcasts with this, uh, scientist dude. I can't remember his name. And, uh, his first name is Nicholas something. And I keep on thinking it's Nicholas Cage. So I'm like, huh. <laughs> kind of laugh every time I look at the title. Anyways, um, but he's, uh, I guess, an expert on this COVID stuff. And and uh, he was talking how he doesn't think we're going to be really out of the woodwork and get that kind of herd immunity till like the end of like 2021 kind of thing. And so now, just after hearing that, I mean... We, we go through these updates and everything from the government and telling us what we can do, what we can't do, and, and all this shit, right? And it's like, we're going to be stuck with this for a while, I think. This is not going away anytime soon. So now, after listening to some of the facts of this podcast, and everyone knows Joe Rogan is pretty much like the holy grail. <laughs> everything on his podcast is obviously truth. Um, just kidding. But uh, some good information there. And now I'm like starting to plan for like next fall already and just kind of going to be planning on my year. And just like if this is still going to be a thing next fall, how am I going to adapt and adjust and just be ready for dealing with the shit again? Yeah, it's so hard to tell. You know what I mean? And just, I don't know, how am I going to kill an elk? How am I going to kill a deer? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, those are tough enough questions to answer, and then you throw COVID in the mix, and they're sometimes they almost seem impossible. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's and the thing is too, like with lots of the stuff we do with hunting, we do lots of pre-planning throughout the year to to get to some of these larger events, larger trips, and larger hunts. Like deer camp has been a work in progress for twelve years. Uh, we're, we've been talking about a moose hunt, obviously elk hunting. They're a lot of planning goes into place there and uh man it's like if we're gonna start buying stuff for this hunt or start making plans or whatever it may be like now that has to be part of the plan yeah like what are we gonna do here what how do we how do we mitigate this and how do we work with it right so yeah it's on it's unreal how predictable or unpredictable it is in a lot of ways right like yeah people People knew that or figured they knew that the numbers would go up in the fall, but they didn't realize, you know, how rapidly here. And Manitoba obviously isn't doing a great job of how we're controlling things. So, but that's the, that's the thing that's crazy. I, I don't want to dive too deep into it, but like, how do you not know it's going to fucking spike in the fall? Like, everyone gets the flu in the fall, anyways. Like, and if this is like, you know, kind of the same idea. Well, clearly, in my mind, it's going to go up. And I'm just going to add on is that I think the government should be promoting deer camps. Get these guys out of the city and into the woods for 10 days, and we wouldn't have to worry about them. But that's my <laughs> thought. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see Sheldon on the 6 o'clock news here doing the, the local updates for, uh, for yeah. <laughs> Dr. Brett Roos in there. That's funny, man. It it. Yeah, the, the planning is almost overwhelming to think about right now. And, uh, you know, what? honestly, I, I can't put my mind there because it just brings me back to that point of pain of not being able to go up to camp. Um, but, you know, like Sheldon was kind of hinting at earlier, you know, there, there are some positives that are still existing. You know, obviously, I'm happy that we're all healthy here mm-hmm. and that we've kind of like by and large been un, unaffected by it all. 
in some ways. Uh, like hunting, missing hunting sucks, but like I'm glad everyone's healthy. Um, the the other like nice thing is like the hunting that I I have been able to do is like been a real like source of like grounding or serenity for me in a lot of ways. Like it 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 feels normal to be out in the bush when so much of my life feels abnormal right now. Mm-hmm. So to be away and be like kind of divorced from the crazy um, world of isolating and going into something like hunting where isolation is the norm, that felt normal. So I was able to sit in a tree stand and feel normal. I was able to like walk around the bush and breathe in the air and that felt normal. Um, come back to work, you know, doesn't feel so normal all the time um and then just you know i maybe another tradition may have started and chase you know how i got that and sheldon knows too that uh bottle of wine that i first started on the original dirty bugle elk camp back in when it was a 2016 or something like that yeah that i've been keeping until we we get an archery bull kill there and uh well, I, I was bringing up a bottle of wine this, this fall for, for uh trophy night at camp. And since I didn't make it, I'm just going to keep that bottle until next year. So nice. next year we'll on the first kill there, we'll have a, a well-aged bottle of wine for, uh, for trophy night. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I mean, like times, times are changing. So those are adapt how we adapt. Have you guys found silver linings on your end as to like your relationship with the outdoors i think i i certainly have um i i think like it's really helped me focus on more on the outdoors like there's you can't do anything right now and it's it's slightly driving me crazy with the kids because they're up the wall and usually i mean we used to take them out and burn energy off at like these bounce houses or wherever you know public places public gym structures and stuff like that and and we still i still try and get them out to like outside and make like bale forts and stuff like that with them but um so it's 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 been uh it's been a test man for for my patients and like getting outside for them is is huge because like this summer we got out with them a lot because it was one thing we could do and take them out to the woods we did a lot of mushroom hunting they would just rip around the woods and then coming up to this fall is just like like you said that really grounding uh experience for me and just gets me that that solo time that isolation relaxation time and uh that's one thing i can put like all my energy into not feel guilty about it and still have something to look forward to throughout this all right totally yeah, it's kind of like a guilty exercise in a lot of ways. Yeah, Sheldon, what about you, man? How... Nothing. Everything's been the same since any other year. The only thing that I honestly have done differently is changed my like uh, routine and stuff for work to make sure I didn't get sick for deer hunting. <laughs> that's like honest to God, that's what I did. Like I was <clears throat> getting up early and like going to the gas station and getting fuel for work and stuff early to kind of like beat that eight o'clock ration of whatever it may be in the city to get in there, get out and just like do my kind of like due diligence just to stay healthy, wear my mask. I, I did everything just so I could get outside because I just thought, you know, if, um, before, you know, these newer, stricter 
regulations or whatever you want restrictions that are coming out you know my plan was to go hunt with my old man right that was my going to be my hunting partner for the year because of everything and that would be the last thing i'd want to do is you know compromise his his health or or anybody else so i uh yeah that was my biggest thing was just staying healthy yeah or really just like wreck your entire holidays with uh that, yeah to, that's just it yeah. yeah being sick right so yeah man and then so i guess shifting from kind of like the major change in society that we've seen in 2020 we're also seeing some other changes kind of on the conservation front lately and it seems like there's been a new license out for Manitoba conservation to start cracking down on some illegal activities in the province. Uh, it's every other day they're posting about um, some poachers being caught or prosecuted. So it's, it's uh, I think it's great to see, but I'm like, I'm curious to think like what you guys are taking, taking from all this here. I, yeah, I think um, it, like you said, Tristan, it's good to see, my, like my question is, or I guess it's not really a question, but it's just like a statement saying that because of social media, we're seeing it more. Like there's no doubt in my mind that they've done their jobs for the last, whatever, 50, 100 years or whatever um, of catching poachers and making sure people are following the right rules. There's no, no doubt in my mind they police that properly. Um, but now that there's social media, there's so many more avenues that you can take into an investigation and you know, you get into some of these these pages that like uh, Mantle Mantle Whitetail page on Facebook, for instance, and you know some people are posting some stuff that are just like, ooh, I don't know about that, <laughs> and you know it's fairly blatant. Like I think there's a guy that posted a picture of a mule deer that he thought was whitetail, and he's turned himself in, I think, at the end of it. But like, I don't know, social media and uh, this enforcement of the law is just kind of been going hand in hand where. It just makes me think that it's always been there. We're just we're just seeing more of it, which is which is okay. It'd be actually be nice if they uh, started posting names if they could, which they probably can't until they're actually convicted. But it'd be neat to for people to, people's names to be posted because I think that embarrassment factor would go a long way into making this the wrong decision next time. Well, I think you can look up court records, but uh, I the, the kind of the shift I was looking at though is it seems like they're starting to use like aerial in like in Manitoba here at least. And uh, Chase, correct me if I'm wrong in this context, but they're using like the aerial surveillance a lot more and like kind of like the FLIR technology, it sounds like. So it, it does seem like they've boosted up enforcement in some ways. I don't know if that's been budgetary or what, that they they finally have the resources to now or like the green light to start doing some of this stuff. Uh, I hope it's the case because like, from what's been reported as of late, like I, I swear that I've seen maybe like 10 times as many kind of posts by the conservation association that they've caught, uh, you know, people doing illegal activities than I have maybe in the past few years. Yeah. I, it's, it's crazy. It almost seems like, uh, COVID has brought out like a whole new generation of poachers, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's, it's the same thing with with hunters too like everyone's bored at home everyone wants to get outside everyone wants to hunt now and and uh all these other people are looking for some form of entertainment i'm assuming and some people get their rocks off from poaching right and and uh it's crazy because like they the the officers are getting these 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 bus nightly like multiple 
multiple interactions, multiple um, charges laid nightly. And then everybody else that I talk to who's spending time out in the field, you're also hearing stories from them about these other people that are like either night lighting or being reckless, shooting high-powered rifles or trespassing or whatever it is. So it's just, I feel like it's just rampant right now. And, and the the push that the, the officers are making is phenomenal in my mind. And I think like, I don't know the whole history on it, but like they're, the FLIR technology that they're using is great. And like, they're certainly, I feel like they're, they're making a, a, a bigger push than usual. Maybe it is like Sheldon said, more of a social media aspect of the thing and just the communications aspect of it. But um, man, the work that they're doing is is phenomenal, and it's it's scary to think that there's that many other people out there that are just reckless and not uh, just have no regards for like wildlife or like public safety. Well, you want to talk reckless, man. buddy? Got plugged in his own blind there. Yeah, um, private property. That's freaking ridiculous, man. Yeah. So if. For those who aren't aware, a guy out in the near the Toulon Gimli region was sitting in his private blind, I, I believe, with his brother. Yeah. And uh, someone wheeled in onto private land and shot at a doe. That was a buck. Is it a buck? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I'm not sure if they missed or Chase is saying that they figured it might be a ricochet of some sort, but the the consequence of it was that this guy got shot in the stomach. Now he made it. Lucky. Lucky. And um, that post is up on the the Manitoba Wildlife Federation for the full story. But uh, you know, it's quite like that's a well. Didn't sorry to cut you off, but did, wasn't there two bullet holes in the shaft? Uh, I think there was just the one, as far as I know. Okay, I could I be thought wrong though. Okay, anyway, sorry. Yeah, but yeah. So like the 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 aside from that guy dying, like this is pretty much like worst case scenario I could imagine from like a poaching incident. You know what I mean? Is someone getting struck by a bullet and this is a prime example of why these enforcement techniques are are out there right yeah man it's it's wild and like to think i don't know we've been we've been hunting more private land than, than we have been and i know sheldon i came out with you earlier in the season did some hunting on your land and you guys have some pretty pretty nice blinds out there too and just to think that like you're not even safe in those freaking things man private land or not Whatever it is, you know, there's still can be some Yahoo wheeling in and just capping off rounds is a scary thing. In my mind. Yeah. And like, yeah, we have like some shacks. And after that incident, like I was talking with my old man about it and he's like, well, maybe we should be putting up like an orange vest or something on the shack. You know, low, even those low light conditions, if they see, you know, even if you're not in it, just like staple it to the outside wall. Yeah. So those guys drive, driving by just know that there's a shack there at least, you know. Um, but, like, the thing is it's so freaking ridiculous that somebody's getting shot in a shack. And, I mean, I, I understand, like, some of these shacks might be, you know, camouflaged or whatever. And you know what? It could maybe happen to a, to a guy that wasn't shooting off the road. He was just walking down the bush line. And, you know, it could easily happen that way, I, I believe, too. Um, unfortunately, it was, yeah, a poacher shooting off the road or whatever it may have been. But, I guess my uh, what I'm trying to say is that accidents do happen, but it's just ridiculous that, you know, guys are still shooting off the road. And, and for what? I mean, a white-tailed deer, a couple hundred pounds, or not even a couple hundred pounds of meat, and you can, you know, lose your truck and your rifle or whatever it may be. Yeah. Like, I don't 
I don't understand why people think it's worth it. But yeah, you're losing hunting rights, you're losing trucks, you're losing rifles, and like potentially killing somebody. Yeah, exactly. And not only that, but then you know, and if, if even if you don't get caught or what have you, and somebody may see you shooting on private land or what it may be, then all of a sudden you're you know you might fuck that up for everyone else that wants to hunt on that private land down down the road. Like the hunter might get word of it saying. You know, so and so shot was shooting off the road and blah, blah blah. And like, well, now I don't want hunters on my land because I don't want that responsibility. I don't want someone getting hurt or killed. Oh you know, man, it's stupid. We we have a we have a cousin that that owns some land, and uh, he won't let anybody on there this year because he said people are ripping down his no trespassing signs. People are trespassing and and just like wrecking shit for everyone. So it's 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 pretty sad, man, and it's. Like you said, it's terrible. It's ruining it for everybody. And, and that's the same thing, not only like on like the private landowners front, it's just like wildlife in general. Like you're abusing those wildlife populations and the regulations that are put into place to to preserve them and, and regulate them and, and all that stuff. And it's just, it's uh, it's pretty selfish, man. And it's it's ridiculous. Yeah. Anyone that's listening, just be fucking better. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> What do you guys think is going on with these social media posts? So like it's like Sheldon, like you were saying, some of the some of the the hunters there or whoever's posting these pictures seems to like be almost flagrant, if not very ignorant, about like some of the realities of what they're posting in these pictures. What's the thinking there? Like I I just don't get it. Like if you're doing something dicey, why are you posting a picture on the internet about it? Yeah. Well, and the, yeah, there's. <laughs> The internet, man, it makes me laugh. Like it really does. And um, you know, you, you could you could post a picture with a, you know, maybe a deer of your lifetime, something that you love, that you know, maybe your personal best or whatever it may be, and people will rip you apart. Your shoelace could be untied, and they would fucking comment on it. Like oh, yeah. it's just like relax, you guys. Like you know, and you know, there's there's certain things, and you know, that people do. That might be different from you. That's not wrong. And it's okay still. And, you know, um, I've seen, you know, I've seen guys take off their orange vest for a minute for a photo. And, you know, maybe it might be illegal, but it makes a photo look better. And, you know, who knows? You might be in your front yard. So, you know, pull that deer home, take off your orange and, and be in your front yard taking some pictures. I mean, and that's the thing. Don't let, don't let these guys, these trolls or these people, these trolls, you know, you know take away that that fact of of capturing a memory and all that stuff um it's yeah it's ridiculous the whole the whole topic just makes me mad man that, that's a good point too because there's there's a lot of shit that happens on on social media and it's so easy for those keyboard warriors just to ruin somebody's day especially like if there's a legitimate somebody's first year or whatever it is like you said a, just a great memory that they want to share with people and they just beat you down hard sometimes and it's 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 kind of scary because as outdoors people we like there is a struggle there hard hard enough to just like maintain what we currently have with between like non-hunters maybe not non-hunters so much but like anti-hunters government uh gun rights and all the other bullshit going on it's like half the time people can't even get along and show support for each other on a public forum. You got to rip each other apart, you know? And it's, 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 I've said this before about like people are just universal, man. There's, there's 
most of the population is good people and, and want to do good and don't mess around. But there's always just those assholes out there that will just ruin it for everybody. Yeah. Well, and, that, and that's the thing, too, is like these trolls are doing this shit and then no one's going to want to post a picture of their, their harvest. And, and like, I don't know, in my mind, I love seeing what's happening in the province or in the country or whatever. You know, like there's another page I follow and I think it's like Alberta Big Game or something. It's cool seeing some of those like giants are shooting out there, these white-tailed deer, even, you know, some of the smaller ones too, like, or just reading the stories, like it's, it's information and it's, it's just like reading, you know, magazine articles or whatever it may be. And once these guys keep on like, like myself, I don't even want to post on it to be honest with you. Like, why would I want to, you know? Yeah. But it's too bad. It makes me, uh, I kind of want to pivot here because like I, I, we, we have talked about kind of like some of the pitfalls of social media, before um if you haven't heard it check out our previous podcast on the topic um but someone that's been killing it lately i think on on this front and um we're obviously big fans of is uh april willis there and uh she's really like started to hone in on i think like a lot of the kind of like nuanced and um kind of pouring some of herself out there that isn't always portrayed um on you know like the the magazine covers of of hunting magazines for example and like kind of starting to be honest about her feelings around hunting which is kind of i think makes for a more interesting conversation online than um you know a lot of this banter that we were just talking about yeah her her and uh melissa Lindsay, they're they're kind of partners in crime right and they they're doing a like this fantastic job of just like bringing out all the vulnerabilities of shit that happens in the outdoors. That's not the pretty trophy shot. That's not the hammering limits every day in uh, up on game hunting or bird hunting or, or shooting monster bucks or it's just more the day-to-day, the actual real-life shit that happens out there. Yeah, and I hope people pick up on it because, and even thinking about just even our podcast here, like us talking about how we've had to adjust to COVID and even some of the hiccups we've had in our hunting season, like it's, I feel like that's a more authentic and truthful representation of what it is than kind of some of these other things that we've seen um, being perpetuated online and uh, hopefully it leads to a more, more healthy discussion, right? Like, um, I don't think that the war zone that uh, <laughs> the Facebook comment section can be sometimes is is as helpful. That whose mind are you going to change there? You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So I I I I like what April and uh, Melissa are doing there. I I hope they keep it up and uh, appreciate all that they bring to the hunting community for sure. Absolutely. Um. Well, might be that time, eh? I think it might be that time. Man, this is a fun podcast. There's not too often that we get to just kind of sit around and shoot the shit. It'd be nice if we were together, but uh, yeah, this has been a good one. I know, strange times, strange times, and they're going to get stranger for a bit, and it's uh, it's unpredictable what the future will bring here. So hopefully, it's big bucks and uh, and full freezers. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Eh? Good, good conversations, good memories. Yeah, before we let you guys go, I just want to mention that we do have four hats that came. Just We just got them. We got a little bit of processing to do before they're going to be available in the store. 
And with uh, COVID and stuff of that, I got to get them to chase. So there's going to be a little bit of a delay there, but they're super awesome. And if you've purchased a signature hat from us before, which is the ones with like the, say the patches on them, they're the same style, but with embroidered logos in the bottom uh, right corner, or if you're wearing it at the bottom left corner. But yeah, they're going to be available in our store right away quick. Um, pick them up while they last. We don't have too many, um, but yeah, well, FYI. Excited about those. They look great. Yeah, they're pretty sexy. Oh, I love them. Yeah. And so if... They... I'm going to look awesome in them. <laughs> Maybe we <laughs> could just do a, a final final here and uh, we can say our parting words to our dear listeners. Uh, Sheldon, do you have anything? Uh, no, just... I mean, this is when this is going to drop. We've got probably another week left in Manitoba here hunting. And I know there's a lot of hunting seasons in Canada. We've got listeners all across the country and plus down in the States. But if you're still going to be hunting, make sure you're you're being safe. I mean, there's a lot of people that want you to come home and there's a lot of people that want to hear the story. So, um, yeah, be safe out there. Do what you got to do to come home to your loved ones. I like that, man. I'll carry that on to be safe, uh, be seen if you can. Don't forget your hunter orange and uh, make smart decisions out there. I know a lot of shit can go sideways when you see a deer, you see a buck, the adrenaline gets going. Um, Make sure you're conscious of those decisions and, uh, you know, the the consequences of squeezing that trigger. What can happen? Be sure they're what you want. Yeah, always a good reminder. And... uh... Last words from me here, just thankful that we're, you know, we're still able to carry on the podcast here in a meaningful way. I know a lot of people have been impacted by COVID um, in different ways. So just grateful that I'm able to sit down with you guys and uh, shoot the shit a little about what it's like to be a hunter in these times. And uh, for all, all, all our listeners, thank you for listening to episode 66 it's been a blast and with that in mind keep your knife sharp keep your powder dry lines tight and have a plan man we're gonna have so many of those keep your stick on the ice Marilyn Mew 66 check you later (laughs) 